we talked about how Jesus being a good shepherd and how um, a good shepherd implies there's a bad shepherd. And, and we talked about how there are certain things that shepherds us um, that we want to guide us because sheep, the reason why the Bible calls us sheep, because sheep are some of the dumbest animals. Um, sheep needs guidance. They need guidance. They need direction. They need support. And when you look at humans, we assume or we act as if we're smart. But when we really observe our actions, we're pretty dumb. Dumb in what I mean by dumb when it comes to spiritual intelligence and insight. Like we know how to walk. We're not dumb creatures. We, we are very, in, we're very intelligent. We're very smart. We're good. But when it comes to spiritual things, there's some things missing. And we talked about, it says in James 9, whatever, we're talking about how um, Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees who assumed they had sight to see. I'll read this paragraph again because it kind of has some great points. Uh, it says the Pharisees thought that they could see, therefore they were blind. If they had admitted their blindness, Christ would have given them their spiritual sight just as he had given the blind man both physical and spiritual sight. So we see here that you can see but be blind. Like there are some people like Ray Charles who's blind but can play the piano better than anyone that can see, right? Who can play the piano and sing better than a lot of people who can play and sing, right? So there's a lot of blind people who have more sight than we who can see have sight. Now, what's the difference between vision and sight? Vision and sight. What's the biggest difference? To have vision and the ability to see. Say it one more time. Sight is what now? Gotcha. So sight is what you see in front of you. Vision is what you see behind you. So sight is right now I see everyone in this room. But vision says I can look in James' life and say James is going to be a great man of God. So vision is being able to see beyond what you can physically see. Sight is seeing what's in front of you. So the reason why a lot of us are, are not us, but people, period, are not going to really have eternal success is because they're spiritually blind like physical sight says i see that she's attractive you may see that he's attractive you may see he or she's a good mate you may see or she you may see he or she's a good friend you hear she and see and everything but you can't really see through discernment and we talked about what discernment is did we say that in this class or was it econ um did we talk about discernment yesterday yeah. discernment is being able to see deeper like Insight, the Bible says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We were talking about how um, um, you wanted an art studio. We talked about how Samaje wanted a, 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 a football facility. And we talked about how uh, Jeremiah wanted a, a studio, right? Like we said that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that verse is so profound because wherever I lack reverence, I lack wisdom. That's why they say the fear of God is the beginning. Right now, most of us, if your mom was to come in here right now, even if my mom came in here right now, I'll tighten up. You know, respect, right? Uh, there are certain things that you will say in front of your friends, but not in front of your mom or dad, right? 
because there's a respect factor. The number one person we say we respect but disrespect all the time is God because God is everywhere. And just like we hide certain behaviors from people that we honor or respect, we sin blatantly and openly and uh, and uh, sometimes ignorantly before God. And God's like, yo, fam, am I not him? Right. But we have been so indoctrinated to the point where we become so full of ourselves because God is love. And we've been heard for the last 20, 30 years in Christendom. All we heard was God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. How could that overemphasizing those aspects of God be damaging to us? How could always hearing this, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, which is beneficial, but there's an extreme in every case. How does that really affect the believer and their daily walk in reverence for God? Yeah, so they assume that, that God is like Big Mama or Grandma or they assume that God is just going to, you be bad and we still get a cookie. We, 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 we forget that God still chastens those whom he loves. Chasten is an old Bible term or old school term for um, correcting uh, and quote unquote whooping. And God ain't going to get no switch because that, you know what I'm saying, you don't want that kind of. But there are certain things that God does that chastens us, that disciplines us. And we have to understand that. And if we don't respect God everywhere, then we can't expect to be wise everywhere. Right. That's why the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So if you want to walk in wisdom in your career and your aspirations in school, you got to say, OK, am I respecting God here? Because respect funnels down. When I respect God, I end up respecting who? Myself. And if I respect myself, then I respect others, etc., etc. And the Bible then begins to say that the, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Insight is the best sight. Insight says, I, I, am, uh, I have intuitiveness. I, I, I have uh, uh, an awareness that gives me light on the inside, that gives me light on the outside, and therefore I can have vision beyond me. So, these Pharisees had spiritual blindness. They were dumb, but heralded as the greats in their society. And so how many of you in this room right now physically have the ability to see, but can't see what's in front of you? Right now, you see yourself in the mirror, but your vision of yourself in the mirror is different. So when you look in the mirror today, you checked what? You got a friend in the mirror. You know that shot is, she said, I'm going to shoot my shot by April 24th. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's like, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, make sure I adorn myself, uh, you know, in a certain way. You check the mirror to check what? Your, huh? your appearance, right? And so when you check the mirror for your appearance, you do it because of what? You don't want to be, you don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want no boogers in your nose, no crust in your eyes. You don't want no slobber, uh, uh, um, salty stuff on your cheek, that kind of stuff, right? So you, you observe that, right? But when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you love who you see? Think about it. Sometimes we forget that we are three parts. We forget that we are with us all the time. That's why I say you have to take care of you because you're with you all the time. It's funny how we'll take care of everybody else. We'll look out for everybody else. We'll listen to everybody else. We'll give advice to everyone else. We'll do all this stuff. When it comes to us, we just be like, nah, you, you, you all right. 
So when you see yourself, are you blind to the real you? There's certain girls, <clears throat> certain guys who look at themselves in the mirror and feel inferior. When God's saying, if, when I look at you, I see something superior. I see something that's less than me, like something that's just like me, right? And so a lot of us, we have to understand that we, like we said yesterday, we have blind spots, areas that we need to check on ourselves. What are those insecure blind spots in your life that you need to check on? Hey, man, like because your behavior is a reflection of how you view yourself. Who you open yourself up to is, a, is, is a, to a degree uh, how, how, you, how you view you. Now, it says a man must become a sinner before he become a saint. He must realize his sinful condition before he can repent and be saved. That right there is important. That's why I say a, a marker of a person who's not saved is a person who sins and don't feel remorse. A person who sins and don't feel checked in their spirit about it. Like, like if I hurt, like, I don't know if I, I say these things often amongst different people, but if I was to offend my wife, I can't go on days. I can't even go an hour without saying I'm sorry because I love her. Now, can that love wane? Yeah. If I, if I lose, if I focus on the 20% I don't have and, and neglect the 80% I do have, of course I can go look at another woman and be like, I'm losing love for my wife because I stopped looking at my wife, right? But when you love someone and you hurt them, you can't go five minutes without saying, yo, yo, nah, I don't like this separation. Like, <laughs> like talk to me, girl. <laughs> baby, talk to me now. What's wrong with you now? Why you ain't talking to me now? Why you, why you packing up the baby too? Where y'all going? I don't want to feel that separation. So in, in order to uh, uh, avoid that separation, there has to be some desperation. There has to be some, you know, I got to make sure that, yo, she good. But when it comes to God, because his, we, we know about his love for us, but we haven't cultivated any love for him. Then since we have no love for him, it's like, oh, I can sin and don't feel bad about it because God just going to, you know, pick me up and hold me in and bless me and bless me and bless me versus, you know, realizing that there is a hell. Like, like you have to balance God's love with God's wrath. Like God's wrath doesn't mean that he's egotistical, angry, some tyrant that's that's shaking the earth's foundations and and can't wait to strike people dead. That's not him. What he's saying is I'm very serious about what I'm serious about. I have grace and mercy for you. I'm giving you time, but there's going to come a day, ladies and gentlemen. Well, all that is going to be all, you know, when you look at somebody and you look at their eyes and you see that warmth, that love. And then when you look in the eyes again, you see fire and, and, and seriousness. That's going to shift at the twinkling of an eye when it comes to judgment. And, and a lot of people, judgment day, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do when I get to judgment day. Because I'm going to already pass through. I'm like, I don't got judge. I'm going right to um, the little um, food court in heaven. I'm going to grab me some popcorn, put it in the microwave, <laughs> pop it, sit back and watch the show. It's going to be a lot of people that's going to think they made it in, but ain't going to make it in. That's scary, man. Like you can assume that you are right, but you got to say, am I right? It says a man must become a sinner before he becomes a saint. He must realize a sinful condition before he can repent. Now, a condition is what? A condition like think of sickness. What's, what, give me an example of a, of a, a condition that people have. What is it? Down syndrome. Down syndrome. Yeah. They have uh, uh, heart conditions. They have 
lung conditions, right? So a condition is a state of life, right? It's something that I have. I don't think that we understand that we have a sin nature. We have a condition. Like, you will to do good. When we was kids, bro, mama said don't get no cookies. What we doing? Getting a cookie. <laughs> I've seen stuff on Instagram with a little kid. That kid open, kids open refrigerators now. Like, little babies open refrigerators and grabbing chicken wings out the refrigerator. Like, kids, we, we know how to do wrong. It's easy to do wrong. But it's hard to do right. We have a condition. We have a problem. So when you are unaware that you have a problem, then you won't ask for a solution. And if you don't ask for a solution, then no one can save you from your problem. Each and every one of us in here has a problem. How many of us in the last 24, 40 hours, you don't got to raise your hand, sinned, <laughs> did something you knew you shouldn't have done, was pulled to do it. And you was like inside, you was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you did it anyway. That's a condition. That's a problem. For is it, if, either if it's psychological, physical, but we also have a spiritual problem, and we need to say that's why. For me, I like I don't walk around like I'm holy, fam. Like I don't walk around like I got it all together because I don't. Like I have to be in desperate clinginess to God. Like God, listen, it, like fam, like bro, like. I need to be on the cross. Like, I need him. Like, like preachers can't be advertising that they're holy. Like, preachers can't be advertising like they're perfect. We are just preaching a perfect message and need the perfect work still. So if I'm sitting here saying that I need him more than I ever need him, then y'all need him too. If, but the issue is we're not aware that we have a problem. Now, if you knew, Stephanie, that you had a problem um, that was going to jeopardize your pursuits in life. What are you going to do? For, huh? Fix it. Right. So let's give an example. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nonprofit. So if you knew that there was a problem and what would you want to do nonprofit wise? Speak, talk, help, help, speak. No. Let's say if you knew that whatever member of you, whether it's your hand and you had a problem with your hand, you're like, man, it's going to hinder me from helping, or if you knew that there was a person in your life or a friend or a sip or whoever that's going to hinder you, you're going to cut them off because there are a hindrance to what you want to do. The same is with us. The reason why we have no mission because we have no vision. Like if you have a vision, like, no, I can't be separated from God. Like I have a vision to be 70 years old and my house filled with family. That's my vision. I want to wake up and be able to say, I don't, I don't want my nephew to be like 27, 28, and him and his wife don't even want to come to the house. I call nephew, and I'd be like, yo, we cooking. He's like, nah, uh, you, you know, we'll. I wanted to be where people love to be around me. I want to be a man, a family man. That's a vision. So with that vision, I'm always on mission. <laughs> I can't have that vision if I'm not on mission with my wife. If I'm not in submission, oh, I'm teaching now. Oh, you see, you see, you it hit you right there. That word hit. You. If I, I have to be in submission, right? So I have to say, okay, this is my mission to make sure that my wife don't end up missing from my life. I gotta say, hey, wife, I gotta submit to her. What you need? Because one day I want to be seventy years old with the little apron on, grilling in the back. 
and my kids and my grandkids and family, everybody be it. That's a vision. I have a vision for generational wealth. Like every time I see my daughter, I'm like, no, fam. Like I want to make sure you can explore without any type of your dad saying we don't got the money for it. If she want to do karate, karate lesson. She want to go slap box, slap box. If she want to play back, whatever you want to do, we got the money for it. If she comes to me and say, dad, at five, six years old, hey, I want to start a business. And I'm going to be like, ain't no money missing. I got you. That's a vision, which means I got to be on them books. That means I got to develop these coaching programs. So you see what I'm saying? But none of that's possible. But my greatest mission in life, the greatest thing that I ever want to experience is when I get up to heaven and I cross those pearly gates. And I'm sitting before God's desk or whatever it's going to look like. And my Savior has tears in his eyes. I said, Josh, well done. You was faithful over a little. I'm about to make you faithful over much. That's the greatest. That's, the, that's, that's what I can't wait to see. Because if I see eternally, then everything that I do earthly will stay in my sight. Because I don't want to get to heaven and God be like, partially done, not done. I don't even know if I'm going to hell or heaven. I don't want that awkwardness. I want that. Yo, is that my boy, Josh? I'll judge y'all later. That's my boy. My boy coming through right now. I'm like, dap up God. Yo, God, man, where the wings at? <laughs> y'all, well, I've been waiting for these waffles, man. You, you know what I'm trying to say? But we have to know that we have a sinful condition. Like, I got it. If I knew I had some type of heart condition, lung condition, whatever, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change things. Nah, fam, uh-uh. I don't want that condition in my life. So now... When you understand it, you'll be like, I need a savior. Like, like Jesus looks differently now. Jesus looks like, 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 oh man. Like when, when something happens, what you call it? 911. <laughs> Someone fall out in the room. We ain't going to be like, kumbaya. We're going we're gonna to call somebody. You know what I'm saying? The same is with me. I have to say, yo, I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not good in my own merit. I'm not good in my own effort. So I need a savior it says he must realize or she must realize his or her sinful condition before he can repent and be saved. Now, what is repentance? We're going to get very fundamental today um, because a lot of things can be said, but we don't really understand it. So what does it mean to repent? Say it again. That's part of it. Yep. Yep. That's part of it. What else with it? Repentance means to change your ways. Repentance is not I'm sorry. Repentance is I'm done. Now, can you be done with something and still be doing it? Of course. You can be saying, but you are. See, a boat. Y'all know what a rudder is, right? That's the thing that directs the boat. The rudder changes before the boat changes. So when you say that you're done with something, you still may do it tomorrow. But your, but your mentality and your, folk, your uh, energy about it is different. So when you say, I'm done with this, you know, whatever, and then it may still happen tomorrow, but you have a different mentality about it. But repentance says, hey, man, I confess my sins. I'm aware of my sins. I'm aware of how this separates me from God. I'm aware that it's going to separate me from everything that I desire good in my life. Lord, I repent from this. I no longer want to do this anymore. Then what you say, help me. Because nobody can stop sin on their own. You need this internal work on the inside. Hey, girl, you need that Holy Spirit to say, help you change the way you think about sin. Repentance also, it means the changing of your mind. 
Mindset has to shift first. Like, like, like that's why the, the number one thing you have to do in order to change is deconstruct your old way of thinking. And so now you got to change the way you think about that sin. That's why for some people, it may take them months, weeks, years to overcome a sin because psychologically they're wounded. So how do you go to a kid? That's why churches be messing up kids and people. A kid done been molested. A kid done been physically abused. And you expect them to be brand new tomorrow without unpacking them emotionally and psychologically. Right? So helping someone to be new, you got to say, okay, why am I sinning this way? Am I insecure? Do I feel inferior? Do I lack confidence? Like, like what is it that opens me up for the sin, even though deeply within I don't want to do it? It says some people never see their own sinfulness except in, a, in contrast to someone else who always seems worse. Why is it important to compare our lives vertically and not horizontally? Yeah, and uh, expound it for me from your, from your vantage point. That's true. So that's good. So we're going to go a step higher. It's like vertically it says, I'm, if I compare my life, compare and contrast it to God versus to others, I will always stay humble. But if I look to my left and my sins are not as ascending as yours, then I'm going to be like, I'm mm, not that bad. If I look to my right and be like, oh, snap, this person holy. <laughs> then you start comparing yourself. The, the, the thing I need to do is say, okay, God, I'm just going to focus on you. Because if I focus on you, I'll never be perfect, but I'll be progressing. I'll be getting better because I know I don't compare myself. Because if I if if all I see is people that sin less than me, then I, God can't get the best of me. Because I'm all gonna, I'm always going I'm already gonna think I'm my best. Because I'm gonna be looking at them and be like, oh well, I ain't smoking, I ain't drinking, I ain't sleeping around, I don't got no baby, I don't got this. So I must be good. No, fam. <laughs> God compares sin. Like this. I don't care if you're gay over here or if you're straight over here. And you do and you uh homosexual or having sex before marriage. Which one's worse? Okay. Neither's worse. They're the same. They just have different consequences. So when God from us when we look at that, we'll be like, obviously the gays are the worst. The pedophiles over here. Yep, yep, and you're right here, and you're looking over here, and you're like, oh, I'm not that bad. But God looks at the pedophile and the person who thinks they worthwhile all the same. Sin is sin to him. So when he looks at it, he's going to be like, how can you look at that person, look at that person, and then assume you ain't that person? Because all of us have the ingredients to sin. Just, just because we have different ingredients don't mean we don't bake a sinful cake. It's the same ingredients. Some got better eggs, some got worse eggs, but at the end of the day, we all got a problem. So when I look at it as a straight line, then I can't judge this person. I won't leave my kids with these people, but at the same time, I can't judge them <laughs> because I got to focus on my own depravity and, 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 and walking out my own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So, but some people never see their own sin except in conscious someone else who always seems worse. Do you know that if I judge this person's past and because I never had that past, but I'm self-righteous, 
if people looked at both of us, this person could be above me. Because we assume that we're better, right? It says, but we must not compare and contrast ourselves with each other. Rather, we must measure ourselves by God's word and his son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> by that measure, there is none righteous. No, not even one person. Now, when you're doing a combine, do they give one person 40 meters, another person 45? Same measurement. When everybody jumps, do they, oh, no, nah, here come, here come, what's in there? We're going we're gonna to bring it down so he can get better. No. Same measure. The ruler, double entendre, the ruler is Jesus. He's the measurement. He says, hey, you lay your life down and you'll see how far you got to go. Not for you to make it to heaven, but for you to stay humble and say, hey, I'm not there yet. Right. Um, so he's the measuring stick that measures our lives. Right. Uh, it says in uh, let's keep going. Uh, time's up. Any questions, thoughts, comments about anything that we talked about today? Um, any questions about, you know, your condition? Like if you're in this room and you're like, yo, fam, I, I still got that same sinful condition and I'm not in my doctor's care. And you're like, hey, man, I, 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 need, I need to know who this doctor. I've been trying to treat myself for these years. I've been thinking I was OK. And I just found out today I might not be right. If that's you, make sure you talk to me today. Find me however you find me. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get you plugged in. Now I'll be a little receptionist and be like, doctor, we'll come see you shortly. Any questions? Comments? Concerns? We're good? All right.